Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf. And I've got back one of my favorite guests, the dog expert, the world-renowned dog expert, author of Intelligence of Dogs and many others, many best-selling dog books, Dr. Professor Stanley Corin. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I've had you on so much, I don't even have to read your byline. I know it off by heart now. And, and <laughs> So, uh, so you know what? I was planning to interview you today and talk uh, with you about whatever, bring up some interesting topics like how dogs behave when they're on steroids and, and whatnot, how, how medicine can affect behavior and things like that. But then I was researching for a different show, my defense of golden doodles and labradoodles, and that's when I spotted your recent article. A designer dog maker regrets his creation. So, well, t- unfortunately, I have to use the word Trump, but that trumps what I was going to talk about. <laughs> and we're going to have to talk about that because, well, I've bred dogs since 2005, Golden Doodles, also Standard Poodles, and recently in the last three years, Labradoodles. And I've always offered free lessons with all my dogs. And it's almost never required they're so good. They're so trainable. They're so well suited to their new families. So I read this stuff, this guy who created the Labradoodle, and I, I did go through his little article, the original New York Times article, with a fine tooth comb highlighting all the things I disagree with. But I think he's, I think he's off his tree. And the fact that he thinks, well, he says he tried 33 standard poodles and could not train one of them for service tells me he could not have a job at Camp Good Dog. He must be the worst dog trainer ever. So I don't know what's going on here. I can train standard poodles to do almost anything, including service. And years ago, I had a long conversation with Bill Thornton from the BC Guide Dogs about that. And we both agreed that they're ideal for service. They're just not ideal for the typical training program designed for labs and goldens. Well, yeah, because they're smarter. But, uh, you know, they're so, so, so trainable. Think of the circus. They're so trainable. I've got, I've got a poodle detecting seizures for a little girl. I've got a poodle doing separation anxiety work for a person, uh, you know, hanging out with this person who has PTSD real bad from really bad trauma. And another one that visits hospitals. There's no reason they can't work. So I put it to you, Stan. Do you really think that poodles and doodles are a problem for service? Well, he certainly thinks there's a there's a problem. Uh, you have to understand, uh, you know, what uh, where he's coming from. He was uh, the training uh, director for uh, a, um, a guide dog organization in Australia, okay. and. Uh, somebody came to him um, because uh, they needed a uh, a guide dog, but their husband was was highly allergic. Yeah, and uh, you know what? That's the kind of request I get often. I get these people who say, "I want to visit hospitals, but I want a dog who won't shed to do it." Yeah. Fair enough, right? So what he did was he said, "You know, there's there's no problem, right? Because you know." Um, you know, a poodle can do the job, and um, 
you know, I'll just train a poodle to be a guide dog. Well, he 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 tried a bunch of poodles, and um, uh, there were um, yeah, thirty three. Uh, Thirty-three, but but honestly, last year I had nine poodles born from a litter. I tested them for aptitude. I selected the ones I thought were good for service. There were three out of the nine. I trained all three, and all three are successfully working. Like this really isn't that hard, and that's a huge ratio. Normally, in a you don't get that high ratio. But yeah, yeah, were they were they working as guide dogs? Well, one detects okay, seizures for an epileptic child. That's pretty serious. No, 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 no. I, I, I have no problem with that. Okay. Yeah. And and you know my expect look, you know according to my own research, poodles are the second brightest dog in all of dogdom. Um, so you know I expect that that would work too. But that's also part of the problem. Okay, as to why they don't make good guide dogs for the blind, and the reason is that they remember. See, yes. The important thing for a guide dog is it has to, you know, guide its person around and evaluate each situation, um, you know, on the basis of what's going on right now. Uh, but the problem with the poodle is that it's too bright. It looks at the situation and says, hey, wait a minute, the last time I was in this situation, there was something which startled me. And so it starts to act wonky and hesitant. And, of course, that reflects, uh, you know, th- that makes them less reliable as, as a guide dog. For service dogs, you know, the, the, the handler is there and is, and is guiding all the time. But in, for, for a guide dog, for the blind, not so much, okay? Um, and um, so if the dog remembers that this situation was, you know, spooked them the last time, they're going to act spooky. And um, that's the kind of a thing which which um, these seeing-eye dogs, um, you know, the, the trainers just, just can't allow it. So that's what okay. he's... But I do have to say, this this little girl that I placed, Joy, over on yep. Vancouver Island, she the, the child that she's working for was too young to be eligible for a service dog. By the time she would be eligible and then waitlisted and come off the list and get her turn, she would have graduated high school. She was unable to go to school without her mother because her epilepsy is so severe. And now she goes to school with the dog. So the dog is working. Like that's, I can't think of a bigger job, you know? No, 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 no. As I said, you know, I have no doubt that poodles can be service dogs. It's just, um, as in many such situations, the, uh, I think it's about cookie cutter training. You can't train a poodle like you train a lab. You just can't. No, no. You, you have to fit the dog to the, to the task. Okay. Uh, Mm. Look. Look, I helped design the uh, uh, the tests which are used for hearing assistance dogs. Okay. Uh, and um, uh, one of the things uh, which we found is that if you use the same kinds of items that you would use uh, for picking out uh, a guide dog or a handicapped assistance dog or, or that sort of thing, um, you don't get good hearing assistance dogs. The reason is that to be a good hearing assistance dog, you have to be crazy, okay? You need a dog who is hypervigilant with high activity level, who's going to go careening around your living space uh, at the slightest sound. And so, uh, and that's, you know, that's death for a, 
uh, a guide dog for the blind or for a handicapped assistance dog. So you have to fit the dog to the circumstance. Right. Yeah. And, the dog and, has to be good for the job. Like if he doesn't right. smell, he can't, if he's not interested in things and smelling things, he can't be a search dog. But if he is interested in smelling things, he can be a search dog. I get that. I, okay. And that's what Wally Conrad uh, uh, found. He found that, in fact, you know, the poodle just just didn't fit that particular assignment. So then what he did, and it's, you know, I mean, he, he, he's, he's trying to see, solve the needs of, of a, uh, uh, a particular clientele. Oh, I understand. He, yeah, I get it, because I get the same kind of requests. I had a man with Parkinson's who wanted a doodle that wouldn't shed and wouldn't be afraid of his crutches and, you know, different things like that. And I had to pick the right animal, the animal that wasn't scared as a puppy from the loud noises and the unpredictable way this man walked. Right. And and yeah, yeah. you you got to pick the right dog for sure. OK. And, and so what he did then was he said, OK, I've got, you know, some some you know, tremendous working labs, and so let's cross the poodle with it and and see if, you know, maybe we get, you know, two bright dogs, uh, you know, so you've, you've got some good chance of getting a, uh, a dog which is smart enough to do the work. But, uh, you know, let's see whether or not we get um, a non-shedding uh, dog. So his first litter um, uh, of these the, these. Uh, lab poodle crosses um, contain only one dog, which was really hypoallergenic, and um, and in fact, you know, he he trained that dog up, and and the client got the dog which it needed. But uh, what happened is that uh, people looked at these at at these lab uh, poodle crosses, and they made the presumption. That all of these dogs would be not only smart, you know, we expect them to be smart and tractable, which we expect them to be, but also hypoallergenic. And of course, they're not. In fact, it turns out that that only about half of them in any uh, litter uh, actually test out as being hypoallergenic and 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 don't shed the the, the regular doggy dander. And so, okay, that's you know, that's a, I I agree with that to a certain degree. I I would suggest that all of them shed a lot less than a regular golden or a regular lab. All of them will be a lot less messy for a household. But the ones who are truly got that poodle coat, you can tell right away. Within a couple okay. of weeks of them being born, they're curlier. They got a different coat. So a, a honest breeder says these are the no shed ones. These are not right, ah, and then. But, ah, but but now you have the reason why Conrad regrets creating the the cross. Okay. Okay. Because the breeders, the vast majority of breeders, don't. Well, okay, and and that them. I agree with. Totally and, agree. And, and yes, to sell them all as hypoallergenic and trained for service and therapy is ridiculous because of course they're not. But some of them will be. Some of them will and, be so exceptional. And yeah, of course, some of them will be, but but the point of the matter is they're not testing, and and that's what he, you know, what he complained about is, you you, you know, the reason why they got the name Labradoodle, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, the, normally, there's a whole queue of people who are waiting to do the puppy training for dogs, which are later going to be service dogs, okay? Right. So they're the ones who take them into the house and 
and, you know, housebreak them and take them basic obedience class and all that sort of thing. Um, so when he had uh, crossed, um, you know, this lab and this poodle, uh, he had this litter of dogs, um, and and they now had to be home, temporarily homed. Uh, and uh, so the the uh, guide dog organization uh, went to their to their list, and nobody wanted um, any of these dogs because they're crossbred, and they all wanted a purebred dog. Mm-hmm. So what Conrad suggested is uh, was release, uh, do a press release, and in the press release, what you should say is we have created a new breed of dog, specifically uh, right. uh, in the hope that they will turn out to be great service dogs, and they are called Labradoodles. And at that point in time, the phone started ringing off the wall. Um, uh, everybody wanted uh, one of these dogs. Well, the popularity of the breed eventually got to the point where you now started to have all of these breeders, some of them just backyard breeder breeders, but some of them, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, you know, commercial puppy farmers, um, yeah. uh, which started producing these dogs. Not only did they produce them, not test them, but they made the claims that they were all hypoallergenic and that sort of thing. But they are selling them for, in some cases, uh, two or three times the price of a purebred dog. Uh, yes, yes. Do you know what? It's so frustrating because my poodles, I think they should be worth more. They're standard poodles, purebred, but people want the doodle more than they want the poodle. And I do understand why. I mean, I've I've kind of, oh, I've, I've you know, I, I've fallen in love with the doodle too. They, they just, there's something about their uh, retriever, willing to love everybody, easy to train, you know, there's just something so amazing about that and then less shedding and slightly yeah. smarter and better memory. I mean, it's just like, it's like Retriever 2.0. It's awesome. We're going to take a break and come back and Stan's going to say more about this and so am I. We're going to talk about cockapoos and multipoos and shih tzus and somewhere in there, somebody decided to say that the puggle was a result of Poodle Cross, which is ridiculous. Got to take that out of there. Puggles are pugs and beagles, nothing to do with this topic. But we'll be back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio with Stan Corn, Dr. Stan Corn, and me, Deppel. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90 day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops. With omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try LicoChops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, so this is Deb Wolf. Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And I would like to say hello to Jennifer Aniston, Tiger Woods, and Neil Young. Because we have something in common. Well, Neil Young is actually a distant relative of mine. But besides that, Jennifer Aniston, Tiger Woods, and Neil Young all own Labradoodles. And so do I. Da-da-da-da. So... They they could have any dog in the world they want, and yet they choose a Labradoodle. And I know why. 
you know, when, uh, Dr. Korn, when I'm talking to people, people who come to buy them, often they ask me which ones are non-shedding. And I ask them, do you have allergies? And if they say, oh, yes, it's extreme, I say, you should put your name down for the poodle that I'll be breeding later in the year. They are not going to shed. I can guarantee it 100%. But if your allergies are not that severe and you want a dog who just sheds less because you're going to vacuum less and things like that, then a doodle might be right for you. And oftentimes they say, we do have allergies, but they're not extreme. They're not severe. We would like the least shedding doodle. And then I show them the least shedding doodle. And those dogs won't shed. They won't. But I don't guarantee it the way I guarantee the poodles, obviously, right? But they won't shed. The curliest, curliest ones will not shed. And you can tell who they are. There's one right now for sale, a golden doodle born in August. His name is Curly, you know, <laughs> for now. Um, his brother, Rusty, will shed. Curly will not. And when people look at them and I tell them that, I say, well, Rusty will shed. He's the red one. And Curly, the curly one, he will not. But Curly is going to need professional grooming. You're going to have to spend some money on clip or send them out. Rusty probably won't need much, maybe a scissor clip now and then. And sometimes they go for the one that's going to shed a little just because it's easier. You know, it's still a lot less than a regular golden. So I just wanted to say that about the hair. I still find them amazing. And if you are looking for a non-shed doodle and you're not coming to an honest breeder, pick the curly one, pick the curliest, curliest, curly one. That's that's the way to go. Okay, so Stan, we were talking in the article. We talk about cockapoos and multipoos, and you know, some of what he's criticizing to me is criticisms similar to those I've had before, like when the Bud movies came out or the Dalmatian movies came out, and all of a sudden everybody wanted to breed all that kind of jump on the bandwagon, make the money fast. People wanted to breed that breed. And they kind of wrecked that breed for a while. What was a really cool sporting dog became a really noisy, irritating dog, the Dalmatian. And what was a really wonderful, loving golden retriever became a dog plagued with epilepsy and problems. And that's because they weren't good breeders. They were inbreeding and, and just trying to max out on the on the money. So I see that happening with Zoodles, but it also it happened with um, those little guys. What are those little guys? Oh, I'm I'm thinking Havanese, it happened to, and it happened to, I'm just trying to think of them, the little um, stub face, tiny, I don't know why it's slipping my mind right now. Not um, no, 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 uh, more popular all over the west the west end of Vancouver, uh, tiny little. French? Uh, y- yes, 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 Frenchies, exactly, it happened to them too. So it can happen to any breed that becomes massively popular, I think. Well, uh, yes, but you know you have to understand that there's a there there's there's something else going on over here, and that is that uh, a lot of people simply want you know a dog which is totally different you know which they can you know say to everybody well this is a designer dog and you don't see very many of these things, and for the you know all the doodles I mean you know. Um, 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 you have to remember the first doodle wasn't a, a doodle, it was a poo, okay, which is a cockapoo. Uh, well, even uh, when I, you know, when I started breeding golden doodles, they didn't call them that. They called them golden poos. It's a pretty new breed. It's not that old, you know? No, no, but, but, no, uh, but the, but the, the point of the matter is that everybody wants these sort of designer dogs. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of them are crossed with the poodles because people are looking for that hypoallergenic coat. 
But a lot of them are just nonsense. I mean, now you mentioned the puggle, okay, which is a cross between a pug and a beagle, okay? Yes. Now you've got to understand, you know, both breeds both uh, are very sociable. And, you know, I think, you know, in some respects, the beagle may be the most sociable dog in the universe. Um, but, you know, uh, the... The, uh, the the point of the matter is, uh, in terms of their working and obedience intelligence, I mean, uh, the the beagle is is seven from the bottom, and uh, you know, loving dogs. Oh, pugs are no genius, though. Pugs and, are dirt. And that, that's that's right. And <laughs> pugs are are in the bottom, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, are in the and the bottom third of these things. So, like, it takes snore. you so long to teach a pug its own name. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. That's yeah. right. So, so and, and in addition to that, they have the great uh, additional fact that they snore. So, I mean, why would one cross a pug and a beagle? I mean, obviously, they were looking for a, you know, a not very trainable dog that snores. You want, I mean, that's you want an escape artist with skin problems. That's why. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, 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 to me, you know, when I saw this emerging on the horizon, uh, you know, I was forced to laugh. I mean, you know, like, oh my God, you know, what? what, what okay, what, so here, here's a funny one. What about the Bernadoodle? I mean, the hairiest, oh. most shedding creature, gigantic, crossed with a dude. Like, you're you're going to get such an allergy issue. Are they nuts? That's not going to well, work. Well, and and in addition, you're going to get hip problems. <laughs> I mean, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because um, the Bernese became so popular that again. And I, you know what I noticed you said earlier in the show, which I liked, is you, you kind of made it as if there's a difference between a backyard breeder and a puppy mill. And I think oftentimes people use the term backyard breeder to refer to anybody who's not ethical. And I don't see why that would be, because the, the home where you breed one litter or two, maybe even three a year, and you're devoted and your children are involved and some of the action is in the backyard, that's so much preferable to factory-style warehouse puppy mill. I mean, really. And in fact, now the puppy mills have got it where they broker out the dog. So you go to some nice little suburban family that never knew this dog, doesn't have the, all they've got is puppies for sale. You think the dog was raised there, but it wasn't. It was brought in from somewhere. And so it, it's really tricky. You definitely want to meet parents. You definitely want to meet relatives to this dog, see other puppies, check out the breeder, make sure there's reviews. I mean, in my case, because I have the boarding kennel, I'm licensed, I'm open to the public. It's an open book. Um, we're voted best kennel in Maple Ridge every year, including this year. I've been doing it since 2005. I've got puppies still alive from my first litter. I mean, there's a lot to go on with me. But if you're in another part of the world and you're looking for a breeder, you should be able to call a vet that will talk about it. You should be able to call someone who bought a puppy last year, you know? You should be able to meet an adult dog or meet some parents or meet some relatives at least. If that's not possible, then they're not being honest with you. Well, that's, I mean, but but you have to recognize, Debbie, that you and I are very different when it comes to, to sort of the general public. I mean, when I lost my, my old uh, Nova Scotia duck towing retriever, uh, my dancer, who, by the way, had he lived for one more week, would have been 16. Um, and, uh, you know, and I usually don't repeat dog breeds. But, um, you know, I, I found myself that, you know, I was missing him so hard uh, that I just needed to have another toilet. 
It took me close to 18 months to decide on a breeder and, uh, you know, which I was going to use because I am very careful to, p- to pick out the, the, the sire or the dam or both, um, uh, which has the qualities that I want. And, uh, you know, and in the end, I, you know, I feel that I got lucky, but of course, you know, there, it cost me. It cost me in part because, uh, this breeder, uh, is very, very good. And, uh, one of her dogs, uh, one of the dogs of her breeding, uh, took, uh, best in breed of tollers at Westminster Kennel Club. So immediately, her waiting list, you know, zoomed yeah. out, uh, uh, across the nation. And, uh, and her prices went up, you know. So, it, it, but she's also incredibly conscientious. I mean, you know, she vets you and decides whether or not right. you're going yeah, to sure. her dogs, uh, which, which, which was fine by me. Uh, well, but, you know, it's the same for me. Like I right now, I have um, a puppy that was bought by some people on Vancouver Island, but then they had some health problems. So they weren't able to collect him. And I decided to give him a lot of training. So, um, so he's learning things. He's a golden doodle. And I have a few pups born in August and a couple of labradoodles for sale. But, um, but I already have a wait list for next year. Like it's, there are people who have met the parents or have dogs from me before and they're, they're committed because they know how good they are. The other thing is, and just to finish up this topic of doodles, with every dog I sell, I offer free training. They hardly ever take me up on it. They often text me things like, what do I do when, or how he hasn't pooped yet. What do I do? You know, in the first week, you know, or, or they'll send me pictures of the dog dreaming and say, is this okay? And I'll, yeah, that's a dog dreaming, you know, this kind of thing. But, <laughs> but, uh, but normally they don't need any training and they go on my YouTube channel and they get all the tips they need and it's free. So, I mean, they, they could take me up on it. I also offer if they ever don't want their dog, they can just bring it back. And I will retrain it if it needs to be retrained and find it a good home. And that rarely happens, too. So, I mean, these are really, really excellent dogs and easy to train. I noticed in his article, there's somebody quoted talking, some groomer talking about how they have separation anxiety. And that's just not true. That, you know, if you take a dog and you show it right away in its new home that it's safe when it's alone, and you go out a few times a day when it's a puppy and you keep that up over and over and you don't fuss over hellos and goodbyes and you make sure its needs are met before you leave it. And, you know, gradually you increase the time it's alone. You will not have a dog with separation anxiety. It, it's, I've never had any doodles where they call me with this problem. Never in all these years. So that's just not the case. So I just wanted to say that. You've had them call you and say, I, I don't understand why this dog won't housebreak and you have to say to them yes but it's only 10 weeks old (laughs) well i have you know what with it's really really easy sometimes it's it's remarkably easy because poodles really really try to figure out what the rules are and get it right and so i find many of the doodles are like this too where i get people saying you know he never had an accident or they'll ask me was he house trained before we got him and i'm like no and that well he he seems to be, you know, this kind of thing. But there's also the, when the dog's the first two days at home, it's not sure where it's supposed to go. And so a lot of times it won't go at all. And they're worried. They're like, he hasn't pooped yet. I'm like, just take him outside again. Take him out, take a, get another dog's 
you know, sample and put it somewhere and that'll help him know where he's supposed to go, right? Um, usually the main problem with house training I find with families is if the dog is taken out of the crate or the confined area in the morning by small children, that is the issue because they don't let it out. If an adult takes the puppy out first thing in the morning all the way outside and it pees and then the kids get to play with it, things work out great. But if the kids get up first and let the dog run around, then we have accidents. So that's really the critical thing I see in the, <laughs> the difference between those that get it easily and those that have to work on it for a few weeks. Well, the, the, the health raising issue is, is something which uh, every now and then uh, I run into somebody uh, wrote me just recently. Um, if you remember my ranking of working in obedience intelligence for dogs, the, the caboose was the Afghan hound. I mean, they're gorgeous, but they're really difficult to train. And uh, a person wrote to me and said, um, you know, I just ran across your intelligence list. I wish I would have had it before. <laughs> I got an Afghan hound. And he said, it took me three years to housebreak him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the oh. man, who were, man who we were talking about, um, you know, he works for a humane society. <laughs> oh, I wish he'd called me earlier, you know. We're going to go to break and we're going to come back and talk more about this on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Stay tuned. designerpetsweaters.com hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat beautiful couture patterns for your pets including custom-knitted formal wear casual wear yachting and even sports themed many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats top hats and a lot of sparkle each sweater includes leg loops front paw sleeves and leash opening visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready large or small we fit them all designerpetsweaters.com let's talk pets let's talk pets on pet life radio pet life radio pet life radio.com <laughs> Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio, and I'm just hearing about a dog. I hear about this all the time. Someone will come for training, or they'll come to board their dog, and they'll say, by the way, we have this issue. And I'll say, well, how long has he been doing this? And they'll say, four years. You know, and I think, look, did you call me in the first month? Come on. Three years to housebreak a dog. Probably if he had put the dog on a long lunge line and around his waist in the house whenever it was free and loose, then he would have noticed when it had to go and he could have run outside, made a big, fun, silly uh, party of it when the dog did what it was supposed to do and he probably could have got this covered earlier i find hound dogs they like a bit of a celebration they like a bit of hoopla so uh that could have worked really well for him but he didn't call me <laughs> he's in boston darling so i don't think he's gonna call you <laughs> he could on radio no problem oh come on yeah you know that's what facebook's all about and the internet and everything i'm reachable if you're out there somewhere and you have a really hard problem to solve just get a hold of me there's my youtube there's my facebook camp good dog facebook has pictures of these puppies i've been talking about by the way and so what i decided to do was um train a couple of them i'm going to give them more and more 
training till they sell and um, the price will go up, of course. But uh, but right now uh, they are available. There's one golden doodle born in June, two labradoodles born in June and two golden doodles born in August. Although I do have showings today and Saturday and Monday, and I mean, people are coming, so they're all going to go. But um, if anybody's still here, they're going to get more and more training because I really like the idea of uh, one of the non-shed ones. There's two of those, Curly and uh, no, there's well, there's rusty. two golden doodles that are no shed, no rusty sheds. There's two golden doodles that are no shed. Uh, Victor, because he was supposed to go to Victoria, so he got that name. Victor and Curly. And there's two Labradoodles that won't shed. One of them looks like Chewbacca. He's gorgeous. Big brown guy. Anyway, they I would like them to be uh, reading assistance dogs because they would love to be read to. They really would. You know? They shouldn't. They shouldn't look like <laughs> Chewbacca. Do you know who uh, Lucas designed the face of Chewbacca after? It's after his Bouvier de Flandre. Oh, really? Oh, that's, that's funny. That's supposed to be the face. <laughs> well, it's more the color. He's this brown and orange and shaggy kind of curly mess of hair, you know? It's more that than the face. But, yeah, I do love a Bouvier. I love the dogs that are, are so unusual like that. Boxers and Bouviers, the way they play on two legs, like standard poodles. It's like watching reindeer in the snow. I just love watching them play. The dog of my college years was a boxer and uh, was also the only female dog that I ever owned. Um and uh, she had a a problem, and the problem was that she was she was small for a boxer, only about fifty five pounds. Okay. And uh, but she was exactly the right height to hover over a coffee table. Oh yeah. <laughs> and she loved bourbon. And oh so no. You couldn't put a glass of bourbon down over there. Uh, you know, if, if you did, you know, and turned oh, away, you'd get the of ice cubes. And the thing about it is she was only 55 pounds. So, you know, she took this one drink. And then, you know, the she way the dogs circle around a couple of times before they lie oh, down. No. She'd walk into, into <laughs> the middle of the room and just topple over. <laughs> oh, no. Snore. <laughs> yeah, I have a dog, a blue healer that loves coffee. And my old blue healer, like you, I thought I would never repeat breeds. And then I found myself driving along and I would see someone with a blue healer and I'd be like, why does he get to have one? You know, and I'd be almost tearful. Right. And I'd be petting other people's blue healer. I was like, okay, enough's enough. And, but I didn't go look for one. Both my blue healers were complete total rescues as adult dogs. Um, but I like to do that. I like to rescue dogs. And, uh, when, you know, cause it, it, part of the reason I sell doodles and poodles is so that I can, rescue Rocky the lab and rally the shepherd and, you know, rehome them and train them, putting the lab, you know, get them into a good situation. And, and so one pays for the other, it's, it kind of all works together, but, um, but yeah, I think, uh, he, he likes the coffee and he'll actually spill my coffee to drink it off the ground. Or he'll, if I'm not careful, he'll get at it in the car. I have to, if I stop anywhere, because he's very clever with his tongue, I have to take the coffee and put it on the roof of my car because he'll get in there somehow. Terrible habit, little brat. Oh. Well, I have a friend <laughs> who, who, um, occasionally gives uh, his uh, dog uh, a little bit of beer in a saucer and uh and he would he you know I was over at his place and he he took a uh, a saucer and he poured some beer in it and he he said 
um, it's for fetch. And uh, I said, okay. He says, I said, do you want me to put it down for it? He said, oh, no, no, no. He says, he said, uh, we have to let it sit over here for about 10 minutes. He said, he doesn't like the bubbles. Up the oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So I should say, because we are on radio, we're not recommending that you give your dogs alcohol, right? No, 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 no. And we're definitely not recommending you give them coffee. Certainly not chocolate. There's things we like that they really shouldn't have. Um, anything that you wouldn't want your kids to have, any of your little vices or habits, like, for example, now in Canada, marijuana is legal. Don't let your dog get out your stash, especially if it's edibles, because the pot and the chocolate together, oh, my gosh, that's a recipe for problems and huge vet bills and he doesn't know he thinks it's food why not or he thinks it's important to you because it smells like you i've had dogs eat pairs of eyeglasses because they smelt like the owner and they seemed important to the owner they'll do kind of strange things sometimes yeah and uh um i mean you're talking about uh, things the dogs shouldn't eat i mean we're, we're approaching the holiday season and Right now, lots of people are bringing uh, the poinsettias uh, into the house. Yes. And for some reason, dogs, you know, are very much attracted to the scent of these things, and it is really quite caustic for a dog, so don't let them chew on that either. No, no, and, you know, okay, so while we're on it, I'll just go through the whole rundown before we finish the show. Make sure your Christmas tree is anchored. Do not use chemicals in the base of it. This is if you have cats or dogs. Um, you can use sugar water and, and reboot it or Gatorade, something like that, but don't use the chemicals that could kill your cat or dog. Uh, anything on the tree should not be edible, like popcorn or inviting to animals. It should not be glass or breakable. Any edible gifts should not be placed under the tree or used as decoration. They should be taken out right when they're about to be given. If you can't follow all those rules and you want to decorate your tree with tinsel and glass and maybe candles and chocolate, that's okay, but then it has to be in a room that you can close off so pets don't get to. Really, really watch the burning candles. I know that, like for Jewish people, Hanukkah candles, you have to light them and let them burn all the way down. So you might want to choose birthday candles so they go quickly. You might want to uh, just don't leave the cats with those candles. I don't know why, but cats love flame. And they don't seem to realize that their tails catch on fire. And then they run through the house. So it can be a real problem, cats and candles. So be really, really careful this year. Wrapping and tinsel, cats will ingest it. And then, again, big, big vet bills. Uh, the same for the gravy. It's okay to give your dog a little bit of turkey or whatever kind of treat that you've been eating that night. But you definitely don't want to binge him on the fat. You don't want him getting into that broiling pan and eating a whole lot of gravy and foil and God knows what at the end. Because that, that can really, really, well, it can kill him, actually. So watch out. That's probably the most common thing, Christmas Christmas Eve over the holidays. And vets are really busy. Emergency clinics are really busy. Keep the numbers handy. Keep your dogs on leash. And uh, hopefully you won't need to see them. Another danger this time of year is antifreeze. If you're traveling anywhere, keep your dog on leash at gas stations. You don't want him licking even a drop of it. A very, very small amount can kill a large dog. So watch out for all that. I want you all to be safe. And if you're looking for what to give, uh, this holiday season, I did do a show last week with Stacy Mantle, and we ran through some of the best uh, pet gifts and pet sites for treats and food and beds and all that kind of stuff. 
So, okay, thank you for leading into that for me, Dr. Gorin. Well, let, let, me, let me just give... Uh, Can you add some? Your, your listener, uh, uh, one little trick, okay? Okay. And that is, um, you know, if, you, if you're decorating a tree, you know, it's mm-hmm. all flashy and very attractive to the dog. Uh, a really simple trick is to use uh, your exercise pen and put it around the tree. And that keeps the dog away from it. You get to see it. <laughs> and, and oh, I see what you mean. The X pen, the, the cage, yep. but yep. but not. It won't work for cats. Everybody, cats jump over. No, no, cats are different. <laughs> you know, cats, you can't put tinsel up because it then kills them because they get in their intestinal system. No, no, you know, we're talking about a, you know, things things that say woof in the night. Uh, well, cats um, are also susceptible to the poinsettias and the lilies, and so if you know, watch it. Make sure the plants and flowers you pick are not toxic to your pets this time of year. Yeah, and 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 there's some hidden ones which people tend not to know about. Anything which is sulfur cured, so you can't give them raisins. Right. The the the, the, the sulfur in there does bad things to their blood. And certainly not maraschino cherries. <laughs> but, and not grapes. Know, not grapes. Not grapes for dogs. Not grapes. Yeah, it, it, that, that's in that in that list. And of course, you know, then there's some veggies like onions and garlic. But of course, a little pinch of garlic does wonderful things for a dog. <laughs> well, you know, if you're ever wondering what what's good, what's not good, what you could add, what you can't add, if you look at the best, most expensive dog food brand you can find. Maybe you see it at the vet's place, and you look on the back, and you look at the ingredients. Those things are okay for your dog. They've figured it out. So if it says on there carrots, beets, beef, cottage cheese, eggs, these are the type of things you're going to see on there. Yogurt, you're going to see meat of all kinds. You can see beef or chicken or, or duck or potato or sweet potato. or Okay, all the things you see are not a problem for dogs' digestion or they wouldn't be in there. That's an easy way to do it. Another way is to go online but make sure the sites you're on are veterinary sites because a lot of people claim to know what's good for dogs and they're off their rocker. So you you want to make sure you get the right stuff. And these expensive brands have been formulated with veterinary help. So that's why I suggest you go there for the, for the easy list. But if you're finding you're going to go on a holiday and you've got a, a – you know, a quart of yogurt in your fridge and it's not gone bad, but it will go bad while you're on your holiday, you may as well give a few spoonfuls to your dog on top of his kibble tonight. It's good for him. It's not going to hurt him. It's in his food anyway. And, you know, why not give him something that isn't dehydrated and kind of dry and tasteless? Why not, right? <laughs> Just not for begging, not for rude behavior. Uh, you can, whenever you give a treat, your dog like, really loves like apples if he loves them or bananas or uh, sweet potatoes. Some dogs really love these things. You know, just make them work for it. Make them come, make them sit, make them lie down, make them do stuff. Then he'll be a great dog and you'll be feeding him well. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, <laughs> you remind me of, a, of an interesting story. Um, uh, somebody contacted me and said uh, they had just gotten... <clears throat> Uh, a Malamute um, from Alaska. Okay. And uh, it was a puppy. And uh, I said, she, she said to me, you know, it's just not eating. You know, it, 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 you know I put down, uh, you know, kibble and, and that sort of thing. And, and, um, mm-hmm. and she, said, she, said, she said, you know, I can't get it to eat. Well, it turns out that, uh, you know, in Alaska, they just 
hunks of fish. Fish, yes, fish raw most, fish. I knew it. Most, I could tell. Mostly, <laughs> mostly frozen, and 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 that sort of thing. So I, you know, we eventually solved the problem by having her take uh, some tin tuna and sprinkle it over the uh, uh, the uh, dog's uh, kibble and uh, moisten the whole thing. So oh, nice. Yeah, eventually you'd probably wouldn't have to do that anymore once it figured it out. And tuna okay. is is not a good food for cats as a regular thing. Just just to to add that in there, it's okay occasionally, but um, but you don't want to just be feeding your cat tuna, um, like some people do. But uh, yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Um, and there are treats made of salmon skins and things like that that you that she could try too. You know, whenever somebody tells me, and I get this often at Camp Good Dog, someone will come with this really fancy dog and they'll want to show me the papers and they'll be like, oh, and I, I bought them from Germany, you know, and I, or I bought them from Hungary and I had to wait three years. And I mean, yeah, good, but it means that the Hungarian breeder selected the one that he was least proud of to send on its journey right? Because it won't come back. And then it went on a journey that was really not very pleasant and could ruin any dog probably if it, if it was onerous and difficult or timed at the wrong time of the dog's development when he's learning to fear things. So really, could you have bought a better dog here? Probably, probably. And you didn't meet the parents and you didn't see anything. You saw a website. How do you know what's really there? You know, I, I, I don't, ever purchase a dog from a breeder who is uh, not within easy reach uh, because I'd like to to see the breeding uh, oh. set up and meet the parents, um, you know, first. And I'd like to be able to see the puppies when they're six or seven weeks of age. So. And even meet, you know, other owners or previous buyers or examples of the offspring before, or if it's a first time litter, get, you know, see, get references about the breeder or like something, just don't go blind because you're going to have this dog for 15 years. I had people buy a doodle for me last week. And at the end of the whole thing, as they were walking up to the car, the lady said, I'm so relieved because you don't know what we went through. We rescued a dog and I think it was from Mexico. I'm not sure. But the dog came over and it was supposed to be healthy, but they knew right away it seemed to have a fever. So they took it to the vet. And this is a family with like little kids. Within three days, the dog died. Right now, that's totally the fault of the rescue organization and the vets at the airport and all this other stuff. But I can't tell you how often some of these imported rescue dogs come with very difficult to treat, unusual here uh, problems, health problems, you know, mange or some kind of skin issue that just drags and drags and the vets are trying everything. And like, it's just there's dogs to rescue here. So I would really suggest to people You know, like I have one called Rocky. He's a lab cross. He's four years old. His owners recently had some health problems. He's in his 80s. Rocky needs a good home and Rocky's a great dog, right? So, you know, if you want Rocky, call me a camp good dog. Really, like that is that easy. And he won't come with all these exotic health problems. And he will come with some support from the owners, from me. So, you know, there's good dogs out there, lots of them. And there's a lot of good breeders who are, who can locate, uh, you know, locally. Um, and, and if you've got, you know, there's, there's a, a very simple trick, you know, if you know what breed of dog you want, um, uh, there are, you know, the, the specific breed clubs, um, uh, in every state in the states and in most of the provinces in Canada and that sort of thing. 
And the real trick over here is some of them will have somebody who is, you know, in the club who's responsible for contact of breeders. But in most instances, you just call the uh, or or email the the club secretary or the president. Uh, I like to call them. Um, and you will get more information about the availability of dogs who are already on the ground and which breeders to trust and all that sort of thing. And the issue is not a paucity of, of information, but it's eventually sort of, you know, choking off the flow because mm-hmm. these people are dedicated to their breeds. Yeah, I agree with that. If you're looking for doodles, though, that won't help you because they're not registered, so you won't be able to find them in the breed clubs. But um, but like I was saying before, you can look at, for things like, like in my case, I am open to the public. I am licensed. Um, I do have reviews. I do have longstanding customers from litters from as far back as 2005. I do have a record with all the local vets, like this kind of stuff. They should have some kind of presence you can check on. You should be able to Google their name and find something great about them and lots of great reviews and happy people and pictures, not just their own website that they kind of made to show you how great they are, but something else. Look at them from outside the box and see what you see. You may come up with articles you don't like. You may come up with charges against them. You may come up with all kinds of stuff. So, you know, look for it. And again, the big thing is that mama dog, if she's wonderful, then she's going to teach them to be wonderful. So that's a big, big, big part of it. More, a huge part of it. I'd say the biggest part. If she's well cared for, healthy, happy, friendly, social, doting of her puppies, that that is really huge. Wouldn't you agree, Dr. Korn? Oh yeah. I mean, I I always feel that if you if you fall in love with a the mom, then you're going to fall in love with the pup. I mean, it's that simple. <laughs> because it's um, not just her half contribution of genetics. It's also that she is representative of how well she and they and the male were taken care of, and also she is not just passing on genetics. She's teaching. He's gone. He's he's not really involved in the teaching. So it's about her teaching them what to like, what to trust, what to bark at, what not to bark at, all that kind of stuff. To be gentle. That's her job. Yeah, and, it, you know, and if you've got a choice between, you know, two different litters, you only should pick the larger litter because uh, that's the litter in which the, uh, the dogs have had their maximum chance of social interaction uh, with mm-hmm. older mates. Um, so... Well, and that was something that stood out about this Labradoodle thing, this guy that bred the one for service, and then he only had two left to place. Well, why were there only three? That's very odd. I don't know. My litters are eight to ten. It's it's a bunch of things. 33 standard poodles, but not one was successful. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Really? Like three out of three for me. I don't know. That's And that was just that one litter. No, no, Deb, you got to remember, they were not successful as seeing eye dogs for the blind. That's right. I still think epilepsy detection for a little girl is pretty high up there. I think that dog could have been a blind, a seeing eye dog for the blind. That's, it's not, it's not like, you know, it it just uh, comforted people at the airport. I mean, we're. This is, which is also a job, don't get me wrong, but this is a big job. Big job. Always on the alert for the seizure. Big job. Keep her safe in traffic if it happens in the middle of the road. Big, big job. I don't know. I don't want to minimize that job. That little <laughs> 45-pound poodle has a gigantic job, you know? 
Look, I have trained uh, a uh, a number of uh, of dogs uh, like uh, Jack Russell Terrier uh, to be hearing assistance dogs. Oh, I could I would see that. Not, yeah, I would not pretend for a, <laughs> for, for a New York minute that I could train that dog to be a guide dog for the blind. <laughs> oh no, I don't think I could train it to be a blind dog. I think Bill Thornton could that same puppy easily. It was oh man, that was a good dog. But okay, if you're interested in doodles and you love them like I do, you are not alone. Apparently, the Facebook site for people who love Labradoodles. Let me get this number right. I think it's in the thousands. Twenty-seven thousand likes on I love my Labradoodle. So it's not just me, and it's not just Jennifer Aniston and Neil Young and Tiger Woods. It's 27,000 other people on that one site. I'm sure there's like Labradoodle Love site and all kinds of other sites. Never mind the Golden Doodle site. So if you want to see cute Golden Doodles and Labradoodles playing on my farm, check out Cam Good Dog on Facebook. If you want any of the training tips I've talked about today, then uh, you can see me training dogs and do it yourself just watching. Uh, Deb Wolf YouTube is my channel and it's brand new so I'd love it if you subscribe because it's so new I haven't even made a request there for people to subscribe the more you subscribe the more the more new uh, videos I'll post so um, there's everything there come sit stay heal house training and then tricks and games and go find the car and go find the ball and go find the child and hadn't go seek and all that stuff so check it out Deb Wolf pet expert on YouTube and uh, Dr. Korn, would you like to give out any information about a, maybe an upcoming book or where they can look for you? Well, the best place to find me is that uh, I have a website, uh, uh, a blog site, uh, on the Psychology Today uh, site. Uh, it's called Canine Corner. And uh, it's uh, it actually just recently won the uh, Maxwell uh, Medal for of excellence for the best educational blog on dogs uh, from the Dog Writers Association of America. Um, so if, if, if they want to find out the newest stuff coming out on dogs, um, um, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a site where you get to see the latest science on dogs and it's written in a way that real people can actually read it and understand it. You know, that's kind of not your first Maxwell. Right? No, no. Because with, well, but with me, I got a Maxwell way back in 1997, I think. And you were my guest on that show. Yep. When I won Best Pet Radio in America. I won it three times, but one of the shows I won it with, you were my guest. So uh, you're not new to the Maxwells, and neither am I. But it's always an honor. Dog Writers Association of America, they only give those awards to the best stuff. So check out Canine Corner with uh, Professor Dr. Stanley Corin. And thank you so much for joining me again today. I'm sorry if I was a little bit aggressive in my defense of the best dogs on earth, the poodles and the doodles. Well, I expect <laughs> that when I see you the next time, you're going to give me a hug, and that'll make up for all of this. <laughs> I'll give you a hug, but I might have a doodle with me. That's okay. I'll pet you. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. It's been great. Okay, everybody. So, from Dr. Professor Sankhorn and me, Dub Wolf, and from Animal Party and Pet Life Radio, be good dear animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.